I was very reckless. I could put it back, and I used that as my biggest crutch to numb the feelings of everything else going on in my life, and magic helped. Magic saved my life. That is the biggest focus that I have attempted to relay to the magic community is that it is okay to not be okay and it is okay to relish in the things that you are dealing with outside of magic because if magic is your life let your life in at the same time this was the hardest game of magic that i've ever played in my entire life and i'm currently winning and i'm not going to lose this game hello and welcome to another episode of humans of magic i'm your host james sue this week, we are talking to Mr. Ryan Nicholas, a.k.a. Tron is bad. I'm just blown away by the level of honesty, insight, and depth that Ryan brings to the magic community. He's had a tremendous rise, and I think a lot of that has to do with how he conducts himself, how he carries himself. This was a really open conversation, and I hope you enjoy it. Today on Humans of Magic, I am here with Mr. Ryan, Tron is bad, Nicholas. Ryan, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Uh, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to meet you. Pleasure to finally be on uh, Humans of Magic. It's a pleasure to have you, man. I've been wanting to do this for quite some time. And believe me, the pleasure is all mine. And uh, I, I just want to... There's something that I'm just dying to know. And I'm just going to ask sure. it right away. Why is Tron bad? <laughs> all right. Well, listen, hear me out. I have loved playing Tron for the longest time. Um, the first experience that I ever that I had ever had with Tron, I sat down at just a weekly Magic event. Uh, I was playing Boggles at the time. This was when Boggles was like a big deck, uh, right around when Jund was as well. Uh, and I sit across from my opponent, and my opponent plays Urza's Mine. I'm like, okay, whatever. My opponent goes Urza's Tower. I'm like, okay, whatever. My opponent goes, or just plant, and then goes, I'll tap for seven mana. I'm like, that doesn't add up. <laughs> and I had That's no not idea. three. That's not three. <laughs> I had no idea what was going on. But it tapped for seven, uh, as I have right there. Um, I fell in love, like, immediately. Uh, my opponent was doing very dirty things with three lands and slapped down a worm coil engine, and I had no idea how to play against it at the time. Um why is Tron bad though? Because Tron is the deck that Wizards doesn't give any love to, like ever. <laughs> There's been one update to the deck, two update to updates to the deck since Mono Green Tron became a thing. Uh, so that and support Tron is bad. Tron Tron didn't get any love during Modern Horizons two. Tron only got love in the Lord of the Rings set with the ring. Um, and then you know, uh, um. The Pro Tour decided that there was a new build of Tron and how now Tron plays a single talisman and you can get eight man on turn three rather than seven. Uh, but yeah, Tron is bad. It's just, it's like, it's a running meme. It's, it's, it's a joke. Uh, everyone hates losing to the deck, loves winning with it all of the time. Um, so I'm known notoriously in the area as like the Tron guy. I own every version of the deck in foil. Everyone's like, what are you playing tonight, Tron? And then I'm like, yes. And then I play a turn one grief evoke scam. And it's like, really, <laughs> it's like funny because it's like, because everyone knows that like, I'll, I'll always play Tron in the area or like at a weeklies, there's a target on my back for just bringing the deck around. So mm. I try to switch it up every now and then, but yeah, yeah. Tron, 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 uh, Tron is bad. Tron's bad. 
I figured it was like a ton and cheek kind of uh, what do you call that? Like uh, ironic or like yeah, a mean yeah, yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's just it's interesting because I kind of equate it to um, uh, you know like Trinisphere Chalice decks where the players who play those decks they're always reviled, even though the deck is just straight up pretty awesome or pretty good. Yeah, it of does course, powerful, of powerful yep. shit. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's funny, too, because players of that deck also say Wizards never prints anything. And then anything that's get printed that's like three mana or above, it's like, <laughs> oh, this will fit into, uh, you know, this will fit into uh, the, you know, my deck. Or yeah. just the same way, Electron, Wizards doesn't really support it. But like anything that's like seven, six, eight mana, colorless, it's like, yeah, this Abs- will work. Absolutely. Right? Or even four, like, like the one ring. It's like people people talk very poorly of the deck, right? And then they'll see it like come in the finals of the pro tour. Um, I actually, I had a fun conversation, uh, back at eternal weekend. Uh, I was staying with my friend, Brian, uh, Bosch and roll. And I was having a conversation at dinner, uh, with Jarvis and Ari. And they were saying, you know, Tron is Tron is absolutely a great deck, but it's everyone that says it's only one, two, seven that doesn't know how to play the deck and will lose to the deck. And it's there. There's just a lot of micro decisions that are to be made in the deck itself. It's not as simple as just like one, two, seven anymore. Play a Karn liberated. Now it's like, okay, I have one to two Ursa sagas in my deck that I actually have to think about what my target is. If I'm going to make a creature or not. So it's, it's very, it's a control deck. That's what it is. It's a control deck, and people neglect to understand that. But it's mm-hmm. I love playing the deck. I'll, I will always play that deck. I'll, I'll always have a love-hate relationship with it, saying, I'm going to keep it on my shelf, and it's right here in my deck boxes, and I'll never play it. Uh, don't want to bring it to an event. And then the next thing you know, it's 11.59, due date of the deck list is at 12.01 a.m., and I'm typing down on my <laughs> my phone screen Urza's Tower. So it's like... <laughs> you know i'll just i'll play it it's it's my pet deck and i love it yeah you just come to remind me that after the pt i talked to christian calcano who played tron i believe at that pro tour calc is calc's great calc Calc was telling me how we go back it was to (laughs) uh to to play the mirror like he Mm -hmm. just he didn't i think he said he didn't even practice the mirror in his his testing and then he realized like during the final oh shit this is really Mm -hmm. this is really intensive like this is really mentally taxing so i i feel like that's just something that all magic players kind of have at some point in their career is they just underestimate overestimate themselves and how they in certain decks is just always the case and it's nothing against you or calc or anybody it's just like um it's just how it is like we also have this kind of emotional attachment to certain magic archetypes absolutely absolutely yeah yeah um i also want to shift gears a little bit and maybe start off with something a little more personal i mean obviously sure you you love you love tron that's pretty personal but that's very true (laughs) can you talk a bit about your grandmother and her significance to you as a as a man as a as a person in this world yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Talking about my Lola. That's awesome. Uh, my grandmother is my absolute best friend. Um, my grandmother is the mo- one of the most important, if not the most important woman in my life. Um, growing up, you know, it was my mom and my dad. Um, but she was my ties to my family's roots. And she is my ties to my family roots. I grew, I'm grown up Asian American. I'm Filipino, very proud to be Filipino. And, uh, that's where I get my pride from. That's where I get my ethnic background from. Um, not only growing up, 
around her. I literally grew up with her. She lived with me um, at my mother and father's house all the way up until my mom and dad got divorced when they were about when I when I was 16, 17 years old. So the entire first half of my life, my grandmother was mine and my younger brother's best friend. Uh, my younger brother, he and I are eight years apart. Um, he, his name is Rhett. He doesn't play any magic. Well, he plays very light magic, but he's more of a D&D guy. Uh, but yeah, my, my grandmother, she ha she taught me uh, to be respectful. She taught me to not take everything for granted. And, you know, I'm only human. I, I take things for granted every now and then. Um, I, I'm actually going through some stuff right now that, like, I have to make sure that I can uh, work through and grow as a person uh, through doing and I reflect a lot on the conversations and the the lifestyle coaching that my grandmother would give to me. And she's still around and I'm very excited to see her in a week for uh, Christmas Eve. Cause we go to her house every, uh, every year. Um, but yeah, she, she, if it were not for her and how she brought me up to be respectful to everyone else, I don't think that I would be the person that I am today. So yeah, my grandmother is my best friend. <laughs> So that's one of the key values is respect and uh, yeah. just just learning how to navigate life, it sounds like. Absolutely. Yeah. And you still call her every day, is my uh, understanding? So, You're in constant touch with her? <laughs> yeah. So um, my, uh, my, I, have, I have like a daily structure. Um, I'm very family-oriented. Uh, whenever I wake up and I'm on my way to go get like a coffee or start my day, I have a series of people that I call. I call my mom, I call my dad, and I call my grandmother. Every day. Every single day. I'll I'll call my brother every day or every other day because I know that he's he's busier than I am. His job, he's in and out of hospitals. Um, my my brother and I also text like every other day or every day. So, uh, But I will call my mom, my dad, and my grandmother if my grandmother is awake. Um, and I will call them in the morning or I will call them at night. But I will make sure I, I make sure to stay in contact with my family every day. That's amazing. That's mm -hmm. really that's that's dedication. I mean, when did you have you always been doing that or did every, you start doing it? It's just it's like it's actually just it's been every day, um, every day since I moved out or every day since like I recognized the importance of family uh, for me personally. Uh, probably when I moved away from my parents' house. I, I moved out and on my own when I was 17, uh, right after my parents got a divorce. Um, I just started living on my own. And I'm 31 years old now, and I I have only lived at home since then twice on two different occasions. One, the more recent. Um, I was supposed to move to Texas at one point in my life um, at the beginning of the pandemic, and my mom said, hey, you know what, I will, um, I'll let you just move back in your old room, save up some money, and then move to Texas like you want to. And next thing you know, the world shut down, and I never moved to Texas, and <laughs> then I moved, uh, then I moved to, um, where did I move to? I moved to Leonia, New Jersey, uh, and I lived there for a while. Um, and then after Leonia, I had moved back north, and now I'm in Pennsylvania. Okay. All right. And where did you grow up with your with your family and grandmother? Was that in New Jersey? Uh that was in New Jersey, yes. Okay. So now you're still close-ish to your family, like close -ish, you're still in the same about state. Like 3-4 hours, yeah. Okay. 
Okay. Uh, that's... Well, my brother actually very funny. Um, I moved. In, I moved out to my buddy's house, um, and then I moved out of my buddy's house into my partner's house. And where I moved out of my buddy's house, my brother moved into. So now he's in Pennsylvania as well, but at the last spot that I was at. So now I can <laughs> I can go see him whenever I want and still have yeah. the luxury of going back to that old house. <laughs> okay. Yeah. No, that's I'm so um, I don't want to say jealous, but I'm envious of your family situation because um, just a, a little bit about me. Like my parents also separated when my brother and I, or when I was uh, 16. Mm -hmm. uh, around 16, 17. So I kind of know a little bit of that. And our family was also uh, um, like, I don't know, I don't know what to call myself, like first generation, second generation. I wasn't born in Canada. I was born in Taiwan, but we moved to Canada at a very early age. So I basically became kind of westernized, but I still right. kind of have the Asian uh, mm -hmm. background, especially influence from parents and grandparents. And mm -hmm. I think I have one younger brother. Um, I think I think the separation or my parents' divorce probably hit him a lot, a little harder because of how like he was just younger and yeah. I was just really like, um, at the time I thought like this is fine. Like I thought that you know, great. You know, not, I I think I think at the time I kind of overreacted. I just thought that you know, yeah, you know, it's like um, yeah, it's great. Everybody's happier on their mm -hmm. own and. It doesn't affect me. I'm going off to college. Like I, I know my shit already. I know my way yeah. in this world, and like I don't, I don't, I don't care. Almost, it, it, mm -hmm, and it's mm -hmm. kind of, kind of silly in hindsight, you know. Right. For yeah. for me, for me personally, it was, um, it was a little bit. It. I will say that I probably took it a lot harder than my brother did. Um, so he's 23. Um, so when we we're dealing with all of that. There were a lot of times where, and my family situation now is much better than it was. My parents got married young. They had me young. Um, they got married when my mom was 22, 23. So they were together for, they were together for a while. And obviously, generationally speaking, it was a very different time. Um, but they, uh, they didn't do it right. Um, there's no way to say somebody else's relationship of like doing it right or wrong. I promise you, I am no expert. I have to work through my own stuff as well. Um, but there was a lot of time of like me feeling like I had to protect my brother from the kind of monstrosity that was mine and my ma my parents' relationship. Um, there there was a lot of like, all right, let's go to my room because they were like arguing or they were getting like loud. Um, so it was very, uh, I, my mom often made the joke of you always act like you're his parent. I'm like, well, yeah. Like now looking back at it, whenever she said that to me, the correct answer that I would have felt is, well, I, I am right now because I have kind of like, I'm kind of like protecting, um, mine and Rhett's atmosphere from your you guys. Felt you had to be right? for, from your guys stuff. Um, which, Bless my mother, bless my father. I love them so very much. They are incredible people. They were so much better off separated than they were together. Uh, like I said, I call them every single day, each of them. Uh, yeah, so our entire family demographic now, way better <laughs> than it was like back in the day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Are you Filipino on your father's side? Or I am side? Filipino on my mother's side. 
Um, and I am Italian on my father's side. Okay. I, yeah. I wasn't sure. A lot sure. of good food. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a lot of good food, right? A lot um, of good did food. You have, did you have some nice, I don't, was it just, is it on both sides kind of a cuisine, or was it like a fusion kind of thing? Or um, So, like I said, extremely tied to family roots. I knew almost nothing about my dad's side of the family. Um, my dad's side of the family was more closed off and you know like i always wish that i could have had maybe a little bit more of a relationship there uh but i'll, I'll tell like a very short story i i chose to not really have much contact with my father's side of the family uh way back in the day because before uh before sam passed away and i say sam because sam is my or was my father's father i never recognized him as my grandfather uh only because um he met me when I was very young and my family on my dad's side owned an auction house, uh, like a liquidation auction sales place, like where they just the really fast talker and you bid on everything. So my brother and I would go to work there every so often, like during summers. And I walked up to him one day and I said, Hey Sam, do you know who I am? And he looked at me and he goes, have we met? And I said, Nope, don't worry about it. And I just walked away. And that was the only time that I ever had a conversation with my grandfather. Um, so I didn't really have a relationship with my dad's side of the family. Um, and the only time that I saw him after that was out of respect for my dad. I went to his funeral. And that was it. Mm-hmm. But and how's, I'm, I'm and how's the relationship with your dad right uh, now? The relationship with my dad is great. Uh, my, my dad is awesome. My dad is uh, a big reason... Uh, as to why I am who I am today as well. Um, he was the more stern uh, one with me. He was always like bringing his foot down. He was always the one implementing discipline to me. And he taught me a lot about responsibilities. Uh, I'm still learning responsibilities and being more prepared as my partner yells at me a lot for like just being prepared of like walking throughout the out the door and we'll be ready to go somewhere and i'm like oh wait one more thing and it pit, it pisses her off but i'm doing better <laughs> doing a lot better with that uh but yeah my my dad uh my dad was he's a great influence in my life as well mm-hmm. were you were you close to both of your parents growing up for uh, one parent in particular um I guess you could say I was I was pretty close to both of them, I believe, equally. Uh, if there was, like, one more than the other, I think that it was more so my mom, uh, because my mom taught me how to be an individual from very young. Uh, always taught me, like, hey, you're 16 years old. It's cool if you want to wear black nail polish. It's cool if you want to listen to punk hardcore music. Uh, one of the first albums that was ever given to me was a, uh, um, the Pixies by my mom. So that was like really cool. And oh, Pixies she's got good like, taste then. Yeah, yeah, Pixies were one of my favorite bands. Um, so probably my mom was always the one that taught me to be who I was all the time. Uh, my dad I got along with because I shared uh, athletic interests, and he was you know he he was he was. A fine dad, in my opinion. He he was good. He he honestly, my parents tried really hard, and I will always give them that credit. Um, and I'm happy to say that both me and my brother turned out pretty all right. My brother probably turned out even better than I than I'm doing right now. He, that kid's amazing. He's 
That kid's something else. He's so cool. He's an actor. He works in hospitals. He's a camp counselor, and he just he's he's incredible. Just jack of all trades in a good way. He is a jack of all trades. That's that's great. That's great. And uh, are, do you identify more as uh, Filipino, Italian, American? Um, I definitely, I definitely resonate more and identify uh, with my Filipino side than anything. Um, one, I, I definitely look more Asian than I do Italian. So that's that's just me. Uh, it's funny, though. I have the biggest beard among the men in my family. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I definitely, I, I definitely align more with the Filipino side of my family than the Italian side. Yeah. So were you always a gamer growing up? I know, obviously, you like music, but just in mm-hmm. terms of playing games, I, let's just talk about pre-Magic. Like, what, were you into... What kind of stuff were you into? Like, uh, what are your general hobbies, I would ask? So pre-magic man what did i do pre-magic i went to a lot of shows growing up i I played music i I was in a local touring band um from like 2007 till 2011 uh back in the day Um, oh no shit yeah yeah. you were a touring musician yeah like way way back when uh every now and then too like I just saw in my Facebook memories last year, like I was on tour with my buddy's band last year, uh, last December. Uh, so that was fun too. But, um, I, I used to do the whole music thing. Uh, what do you play? Uh, I was, I was a vocalist for every band that I was in. So I would always be the one doing the, doing okay, the, you're the front man. Yeah. Okay. I was the front man. Um, okay. other than music. Uh, yeah. I mean, I guess you could say like I, I gamed a lot, but nothing, Nothing ridiculous. Um, your Just casual, had an Xbox casual or Halo around had an kind Xbox. of thing. Yeah. Okay, he, hold on. Here's here's something very funny. Not many people know about me, <laughs> so I'm I'm spilling it all for humans and magic. Uh, in 2008, I was ranked sixth in the world for Darklight uh, laser tag. Um, so I, <laughs> did, I did I did a lot of laser tag. I worked at I worked at this place uh, called Laser One in Wantage, New Jersey. It was the first real job that I ever have had, and it was, I fell in love with that job. I fell in love with gaming there, uh, but it was the physical aspect of gaming, and they we would host a tournament every year called Armageddon, and Armageddon, think of that as the pro tour of laser tag, right? So everyone would go from around the world, actually consider it worlds, because it was called the Darklight World Championship. So during the Darklight World Championship, how we were placed was there was a format called Blasters. So it was a so it was a solo uh, run, and you would uh, be placed by the end of fifty minutes uh, by how well you did. And I came in sixth, and for that entire just how many year, people would... you shot? Like it's just <laughs> no, every it person like out for themselves. Points and uh, points and objectives on the map, etc. Think of uh, think of like Counter Strike Capture the Flag, but in person. Uh, okay. that's basically what it was like. Um, and teams from all over the world came, uh, there was a Swedish team that came, there was a Ukrainian team, uh, that came. Um, there was a Vietnamese team that came, uh, there was the United States represented in three different, on three different teams. Um, yeah, it was, it was crazy. And I played laser tag extremely competitively from 2008 until 2010. So what does was, it mean to play laser tag extremely competitively? Are you like diving? Are you are you is it super physical? <laughs> or what is remember, it? the first rule of laser tag is no running. Everyone ran. Everyone ran all of the time. Of course, it was like it was it was like uh, what, what what was the movie? Dodgeball, dive, dodge, duck, dip, 
dive or yeah, something yeah, like yeah. that. Yeah. yeah, and that's basically how it was all the time. It was it was very competitive. Uh, also, throughout high school, because uh, that was my high school job, um, I lost so much weight doing that. I, I, I probably, in one season, I lost about 75 pounds between playing laser tag after school and playing Dance Dance Revolution. <laughs> Oh, word. Yeah. I also yeah. lost a lot of weight playing DDR yeah. uh, during high school. Yeah. yeah. Even though yeah. we're different generations. It, it seems to cross generations. Oh, always, always. Yeah. yeah. So 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 laser tag is extremely physical, it sounds like. I've it only was, done it once yeah. or twice a, and very lot, casually. <laughs> yep. A lot of running around and a lot of having to use your mental fortitude to remember like where on the map, like you can pick up special points or different kind of like abilities for your phaser. Yeah. It was just, man, <laughs> I haven't talked real about live this video in a long game, time. It, sounds like. it was a real live video game. Yeah. What's the secret to getting good at laser tag? Oh, man, I guess knowing the maps that you play at, knowing the maps that you play. It sounds at like counter strike. Yeah. Being, <laughs> being able to exploit the maps. Like I remember and exploit the equipment that you're using. Like I remember, so on one of the phasers that you use, right, for dark light, for dark light, you have a pack with three blobs on the front, three blobs on the back, and one blob on your phaser, and it has two triggers. So anytime that you hold down the trigger and pull the second trigger, it'll fire. Uh, but there was a special upgrade um, of one of your one of the objectives that you could get on the map. Uh, and once you tagged that, it was called the gem, um, general electronic machine is what it was short for uh your phaser would turn into like kind of like a shotgun and people would always just try to like stand like 10 feet away and fire at each other with it and that would never work so in order to exploit it you would pick up the phaser hold it upside down so the blob was on the underside because then the spray would be 25 feet in front of you which is crazy the note like no, being able to understand and exploit that stuff was like a lot of fun back as as a uh, as a teenager. How did you know about these exploits? You just try it, or did well, you read about them I, in forums or what? I worked at that arcade, so I was always playing laser tag. I was I was at one point playing laser tag probably like five days a week. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just complete immersion in in this uh, in this sport. I'll call it. Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay. Is there a governing body? It sounds like there is. Like they actually, uh, yeah. There's new... a, there's an entire federation for it. Like it's crazy. Um, I don't know where it's at these days. I don't know who runs it, but I get pinged religiously every year when Armageddon comes around and someone tags, "Where's D Scythe?" Like my old my old name was D Scythe. Like D Scythe, short for Death Scythe from the Gundam series. Because that's the, that's the name that I would use. And they would always ask, like, does these sites still play? <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> it's, like, it's, like, really humbling, too. Because it's, it's really nice. And it's nice to be remembered after, like, what, 2007, 12, 13 years? So, yeah. Yeah. Are you ever going to come out of retirement as DSA? Absolutely not. My ACL surgery says otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um. Maybe you should coach somebody. I don't know. Maybe you could like pay it that's forward not and just. Happen. You don't that's think not so? No, not really? at all. Come on, there's yeah. got to be somebody out there that's like high potential <laughs> that's gonna become the next world champion. Um, maybe, 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 probably not, but maybe. Who knows? I'll let you know. <laughs> this is wild, man. Okay, yeah. so other than laser tag and music, like what other stuff were you into? Like pre magic. Um, I grew up uh, being an artist. Uh, I I would. Um, 
I went to school uh, initially for fine arts. Uh, I wanted to do art therapy. Um, I like uh, oil painting. I haven't painted in a very, very long time. Uh, but I do, um, if I have the opportunity to again, I, I probably will pick up a brush uh, to do that. Um, and I played uh, I played baseball for 18 years. Um, baseball was uh, very important to me growing up, and it was my favorite sport to play. I was pretty good at it. Um, yeah, so that that's that's basically what I did uh, pre Magic, and then Magic happened, and my entire world got shifted upside down. <laughs> just just uh, one second, like in terms of the the baseball, did you ever consider like? making it as some sort of career or playing like minor uh, leagues did, or something. Um, and I have a very, very sad baseball story. Uh, it's not related to the ACL, is it? Uh, no, it was related to my shoulder. Um, so there was like a scouting game that we were playing. Um, and I was normally just a right fielder and strongest arm on the team. I can make it to the plate mm -hmm. from back right field off of one skip. Um, <clears throat> scouting game, my junior year, uh, my coach goes, why don't you play shortstop? I'm just like, why would I play shortstop? I'm I'm a right fielder. That's totally like that's not even that's not even it's in not my wheelhouse. wheelhouse. Like I don't I don't yeah. play on the infield, but I did. So what's the difference between varsity and junior varsity? It's the cleats that they wear. Basically, runner on second steals third, slides into third as I try to die for the ball, slides into my shoulder and just tears something in my shoulder. I can't throw properly anymore. Mm. So mm. I, w I was working on getting a full ride to Keaton University, which is the baseball uh, baseball university in the United States. I was working on getting a scholarship there. That never happened. I was very upset, very bitter, bitter about getting hurt uh, playing baseball. But it is what it is. I, I thought about maybe in a different life. Uh, but yeah, so... That's tough, man. You must yeah. have felt, uh, like you said, upset or maybe just angry, right? Oh yeah, I was. I, I was. I was very bitter. I was jaded, but uh, you know, I still played um, throughout the rest of the year. Uh, but it it didn't matter because when it mattered, uh, I was injured. So right, right. When you had a chance to show, to show your that, skills, like, I, yeah, yeah. That I could play, um, it kind of got taken away from me. Mm. Probably. Mm. I mean, at the same time, like you know, I was a younger kid, so maybe there was a. Maybe there was a negligence of, um, maybe I maybe I shouldn't have dough for that ball, right? Maybe mm. letting it go would have been fine because uh, mm -hmm. safety was important. But obviously, like, a very hot-headed uh, youth, I, I was like, well, if I dough for the ball, it'll show that I can put some flair onto... You have some grit. Yeah, some exactly. Mustard. Mm -hmm. So maybe, yeah. the, maybe there was fault of my own as well in reflecting on that. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe a multitude of different things. So that's the tough thing about life, right? Is that you create a lot of what ifs. But on the other hand, there there could also have been another what if. Like maybe you got into Keaton and then you hurt yourself, like in the yeah, first game true. or something. No, like, no it one knows could have what could have happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's rough though. Uh, so maybe I'll even I'll go back even farther. Like, how would you describe yourself as a as a kid or as a teenager? Uh, you seem to be very you seem to have matured quite a lot, right? But, I was I mean, an asshole. James, I was an asshole. I was not a, I, I, I was I'm not kind of reading kid. between the lines. That's why I'm trying <laughs> yeah. to ask. I'm, yeah, I'm I was not I was I was the kid that always got in trouble in high school. I was 
let here. I'll I'll explain the kind of kid that I was. My senior year in high school, I went. I walked up to my biology teacher, hot headed, and I said, I looked at her. I said, Miss Brown, do I need your class to graduate? And she goes, she looks at like my records or whatever, and, like looks at my records. And she goes, no, you don't, actually. This is like more like an elective for you. So I'm like, okay, cool. So every single day, I showed up to class. I got the participation. I slept. I fooled around. I played my Game Boy. I played with the animals in class. I didn't focus on anything. I was a class clown. I got sent to in-school suspension. I fought a lot in high school. Um, I was violent. I, I was, I had anger. I, I was just, I, I was not a, I was not a good kid. Um I definitely think that I turned out good, uh, but in that class, uh, now comes the last semester, and she goes, hey, Ryan, can you just, like, stay after class real quick? I'm like, yeah, sure. Like, why? What's up? And she goes, listen, you're a good kid. I think you're a good kid, but if you do not pass my class, you will not graduate, and you will not walk with the rest of your class. And I said, "Miss Brown, you told me the first day of this school that I Ms. did Brown, not need Brown, you lied this. to me. <laughs> I, she, you said, I do not need this class to graduate. And she goes, you're absolutely right I did because I wanted to test you and you failed. And I said, oh, oh. okay. So right. I, you didn't, you didn't have to tell me that. Like, absolutely. Like you're a teacher. Why, why should I waste your time? Right? Like I am literally wasting the time and I'm taking away from the rest of the class. So I deserved every bit of that. So as of that conversation, I had a 32 average. Um, she said, if you apply yourself and if you show me that you can actually put work in and that this entire year wasn't just one big fuck up for you that you actually care if you put in your work, if you pass every quiz, pass every test and do every homework assignment for the last semester, you should be fine. I did exactly that. I did every single test. I, I passed every single test. I passed every single quiz and I, um, I did every bit of homework. You just turned it around and busted your ass. I you turned it around and I busted my ass and I walked up to Miss Brown. Miss Brown said, you are still failing. Uh, because I was failing with a 61. I brought it up from 32 to a 61 average and you need a 64, 65 for it to be passing. Oh, okay. And she goes, if you stay after school every day for the next two weeks and clean out the cages of all the animals, I will pass you with the C. So I did. And I almost never graduated high school because I was just not, I didn't take it seriously. I, and then I went to college and I didn't finish college. I, I don't have, I don't have a degree, but uh, you know, all I know is travel and work ethic. And I think I am a very hardworking individual. Uh, now at least um and my high school years definitely taught me that and living on my own taught me that a lot uh, i i do actually plan on this year i had to talk with my partner about it i do plan on going back to finish uh finishing my degree this year so i'm pretty happy about that what was it about that first run in college like that made you just drop out or not finish it uh, i didn't take it seriously and i said that college wasn't for me i was still very headstrong um i prioritized hanging out with my friends and Actually, um, magic uh, had a lot to do with it. Uh, I oh. prioritized going to big events, and I prioritized traveling and going to F&Ms and going to weekly events or grinding with like my magic crew that I found, and that I prioritized that over my academics. And I, I'm, I am the reason why I failed. You are the reason why you failed. That that's that sounds right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, absolutely. And. Yeah, and so when you found Magic, you had already your baseball career was already over. Oh yeah, it was it was over. Um, I found Magic in two thousand and nine, uh, my last year of high school. 
my friend Anthony uh, took me to our friend Kirk's house. Um, and Kirk, uh, in his basement, just had like a bunch of people. And they were all playing a card game. And I had no idea what it was. And it was magic. Uh, so I watched. I didn't really ask. We were like watching anime at the same time. So we were just like playing Halo and whatnot. So we were all just like hanging out. There was a local game store called Reality's Edge uh, in North Arlington, New Jersey. Um, and if there are any old heads that are going to be listening to this, they will remember that because this uh, Reality's Edge was like the spot to go to uh, in the North Jersey area at the time. It was Reality's Edge, Gamer's Gambit, and old Toy Wiz up in New York. Um, I would hang out at Reality's Edge. It was a store where... The first 30 feet of the store, uh, 30 to 40 feet, were like the tables, right? And then another 8 to 10 feet were just lined with TVs against the wall with two chairs in front. So people could play like Halo, Counter-Strike, like anything, like Tony Hawk's Pro Skater, whatever they were playing. Mm-hmm. So one day I sat down and my friend Phil was not doing anything. And I said, hey, Phil, teach me how to play Magic. And he's like, are you sure? Because once we start, there's no going back. <laughs> it doesn't stop. <laughs> it doesn't stop. So I said, yeah, absolutely. So unfortunate part of the story, Kirk and Phil were two of my best friends uh, growing up throughout Magic. Uh, Kirk and Phil both passed away this past year, April and May. Um, so shout outs to them real quick. Uh, but Phil sat me down and Phil goes, okay. Oh, also another unfortunate part of the story. The store that we were playing in at the time, Reality's Edge, was also going out of business. They were going under. The store owner didn't care about it anymore. It was ran by Phil and Kirk because they were the counter clerks, and they were the only reasons why the store was open. Mm -hmm. So Phil just goes from behind the counter, and he just grabs me. um, What set was it at the time? It was Scars and Mirrodin. Spiral? uh, No, Mirrodin Besieged, uh, because this was back when... The booster ba- boxes were the faction boxes where you could get, get new Phyrexia packs and, uh, I'm sorry, Mirrodin Besieged and uh, new Phyrexia packs. Um, so he sits me down and he gives me the Golem Precon. So I sit down, I'm like, oh, this is cool. Like, And again, my first deck was a colorless deck, which is very funny to me. So I'm very sitting fitting. down, I'm sitting down, and the first couple turns of the game, I go, he's explaining to me how to play. And I go, land, pass. And then he goes, okay, land, grindstone. I'm like, okay, I don't know what that does. Sure, why not? And then I go, land, pass. I'm having a great time. I'm learning how to play. And then he goes, land, (laughs) painter servant. And then he goes, your deck is now candy apple green. And I said, okay, I don't care. I don't know what's going on. I pass the turn again. He goes, activate grindstone. When this happens, you put the top two cards of your library into your deck. The shared color, same thing. I'm like, okay. Then you put two and two together. One, two. And then I'm like, oh, okay. Now I get it. And he goes, welcome to Magic. Welcome to Legacy. And then mm-hmm. Legacy became my favorite format 13 years ago. <laughs> so, oh, I, okay. yeah, I just, uh, that's how I learned how to play. And me getting my ass absolutely handed to me by a combo like that, I immediately fell in love. And I thought that this is something that i want to do and the biggest thing that brought me into the game was the fact that all my friends played it and i found this tight group of friends that all played magic at the same store and then 
The next thing you know, we're traveling to find other stores together because Reality's Edge was no longer a store. Um, so yeah, that's uh, that's how that happened. Were you taking magic pretty seriously then? Like you were trying to level up and trying to get better and just grinding? Yeah, so I never had the opportunity to play Kitchen Counter Magic ever. I never knew it's just the always thrill at the game of... store, right? I just started at the game store. Phil taught me how to play. And within the first month uh, of me playing Magic was when Innistrad came out uh, right after mm -hmm. Scars of Mirrodin. So that was like my favorite. That was my first real set to play. My favorite set to play. And the first uh, month of me playing, at the end of the first month, when Innistrad came out, I went. Uh, I played my first PTQ uh, within a month of playing. And it was uh, Innistrad sealed, and I it was some of the most fun that I had ever had. Mm, so I've just okay. been I have just been playing competitive Magic, period. Okay, okay, that that is super cool. And yeah. uh, any uh, fun Magic grind or travel stories from back there, back then? Um, I remember the very first Grand Prix that I ever went to. Uh, was Grand Prix Baltimore in 2012 um, when it was fun to watch a blue-black mirror <laughs> watching. I watched, I remember I watched. Those were the days. I, I remember the ma the feature match that I was watching was PV versus Dave Shields and they were playing uh, blue-black control versus blue-black control and the winner was decided in time by who decked themselves because of their opponent's consecrated sphinxes. They both had a consecrated sphinx out. Right. That was, it was, it was such a stalemate. It, yeah. it was such a stalemate. Like doom blades were all expended. Liliana, the veil came out. Mana leak was the best counter spell in the game at, at the current moment. Uh, man, that was, that was, a, that, that was cool. I think my bet, my favorite story regarding magic. That's a tough one. That is a really tough one. Probably been a bunch, right? Just stuff that happens. Okay, actually, on the road. no. I think my favorite magic story was Star City Games tweeted about me at uh, GP New Jersey when it was the Legacy GP. Reason I being, I, I remember that GP. It okay, was the biggest so, GP for Legacy at the time, right? Correct. Yeah, the brainstorm playmat. So you will remember the story if if you saw it. If you saw it, you'll you'll remember, it, and then you'll be like, "Oh my god, that was you." So. The night before the Legacy GP, so that was a home GP for me, obviously, like because I lived in New Jersey. So we would always hang out at this bar uh, prior to going to events, or on Friday Night Magic, we would leave the game store and we'd hang out at our friend's bar because he owned the bar. It was a Polish-American club, so we were able to team draft there, we would get cheap drinks. It was like a dollar beers, two dollar shots, and we would just like get drunk and we would play Magic, and it was a great time. So we were all testing Legacy the night before the GP. I get to the GP the next morning, and I look in my bag, and my deck is gone. And I'm playing Manila Stretch at the time. And this was back when LEDs were like 70 bucks, right? So, yeah. Still expensive. But not, Still expensive. Not, not the way they are now. <laughs> right, right, right. So I'm playing Dredge, and I start freaking out. And I'm like, damn, what, what am I going to do? I can't do anything, and I'm freaking out. And my friend Mike, thank God... He calls me and he goes, hey, man, you left your deck at the bar. So yeah. I'm like, oh, my God, like, thank, thank goodness, thank goodness that somebody has my deck, has my legacy deck that I put all this money into, like, as a kid. 
But what am I going to do for the event? I already spent all this money. Like, I have, there's no way for me to outsource a legacy deck right now. So I'm going to register uh, 56 forests and four lost in the woods. Oh, that was you. <laughs> yes. That was <laughs> that you. Was, that was me. And I register that deck. Star City caught wind of it. The only reason why they caught wind of it is because I won my first round with Lost in the Woods. Because my opponent just wait, could wait, not... Wait, how did you win? <laughs> because my opponent put, couldn't put any damage through. I just kept fogging the board. I just They they conceded because they were just frustrated. So I, was, I wasn't going to actually uh, win. Oh, it's just a frustration concede. It was a frustration okay. concede because they were they couldn't do anything. Because like mm-hmm. I just mulliganed until I got Forest so Lost in the Woods in the one bracket. Yeah, It was yeah. in the one bracket, and then I dropped. Because it, it's just like... It, it was... It was very, very funny, and oh Star City gosh. tweeted, like, can't believe that we see a 1-0 drop from this Lost in the Woods deck. They should have had you in the Round 2 Future match, man. Absolutely that been, not. That would have been wild. <laughs> Absolutely not. My friend, uh, way, way, back in the, way back in the day, old, old grinder uh, by the name of Eric Smith, um, he was really, really good uh, playing Magic, and he just, like, stopped playing Magic. Uh, I think he plays, like, more poker than anything right now, but he's the only reason why I knew about that tweet because I wasn't really using Twitter at the time. And he, uh, he's like, Hey, they tweeted about your deck. I'm like, yeah, my joke of a deck that somehow my opponent just got really mad at me because we're 48 minutes in and we're not even done with game one. (laughs) Like (laughs) it just didn't do anything. And it's very, it was very, very funny. I think, I think that is like the funniest magic thing or, or most memorable that has happened to me besides like, obvious accolades of um where i am in magic now i'm very appreciative of my position Uh, i'm Mm -hmm. one of magic's ambassadors Uh, Mm -hmm. i'm just very appreciative of where i'm at these days and i think i think as a whole that's probably one of my favorite memories is all of the connections of incredible people that i have met over the past year Mm because content creation is very new for me i only started doing this in february um Oh no shit! I thought you've yeah. been doing it for a while. No, this is this is the first time this I is ever year one. This is year one for me. Uh, February. Okay, Why did you decide to go into uh, content? Um, so I went to MagicCon Philly because I thought it was going to be really cool, and I didn't go to MagicCon Vegas, the very first one. But I saw all of the pictures and videos from it, and I had like serious FOMO about like not going to Vegas. So I was like, you know what, Philadelphia is a backyard uh, con essentially living in New Jersey. And I started up uh, the Twitter that I have. Um, This, this is, this Twitter is maybe like it's under two years old. Right. Um, And I, uh, I was like, you know, let me just make a magic Twitter. Let me just follow accounts. And I like playing magic competitively. So I, I used only, I, I only used the Twitter account for, like, magic-related purposes to, like, post results or, like, look for deck lists. I was basically, like, one of those sub-200 accounts that just, like, posted mm-hmm. screenshots all the time. Mm-hmm. Until I started, like, actually interacting with people. And then I, I met some, like, magic people online rather than just, like, me traveling to events. And a couple of them were just like, hey, are you going to MagicCon Philadelphia? And I'm like, yeah, I, I actually am. So I made friends with a bunch of people and I met them for the very first time at MagicCon Philadelphia and they're all content creators. They're, they're all people that have been like producing content. They're more online, outgoing kind of thing. Yeah, they're more online than I was. And I was like, 
I could talk to people. I like I would love to I would love to make some kind of magic content. My friends have always said like, "Hey, you should like do something magic related." Um so after after Philadelphia, I made a lot of connections and a lot of like new friends that I just started talking to people. Next thing you know, I started popping up on people's like streams for like Commander or just like hanging out with them. And then I started taking it like really seriously and I was just like, "You know what? This is what I want to add to the magic space. And this is this is something that I believe that I can do. And that, jumping forward a little bit, that's how Better Days MTG started. And I have always taken that very seriously. And I said, how can I, how can I implement Ryan into the magic community in a positive way? And what can I do for the community to give back to the community that's given everything to me? So that's just, that's how it happened. This is year one for me. And I... Bosch, when I was with Bosch for um, for Pittsburgh before Eternal Weekend, we were sitting in his, in his car, and he was just like, not for nothing, dude, like, your growth has been, like, meteoric. Like, I, I just came out of nowhere, guns blazing, and, like, I'm like, hey, this is who I am, this is what I want to add to the community, and this is how I'm going to try to give back. So that's that's kind of how I got into it. I just I went amazing. to MagicCon Philadelphia, and I became so inspired that I just wanted to, I wanted to, I wanted to add to everyone's fire as well yeah i i think for me like you definitely started popping off on my socials this year but i just assumed that maybe it was because of the algorithm or you decided to <laughs> yeah. get more active as a creator i had no, no sir. idea that this is year one for this you. is year one i think there's also something about maybe your past life experience or lived mm -hmm. experience where you're really comfortable in, in this i could really yeah. feel that like it's like the cliche like it feels like you've been doing this for years right mm -hmm. or it feels like there's been all this stuff leading up to it that you're just leveraging you know like how you communicate or like how you talk to the camera and some of your in your video like in the morning and things like that like there's just something about you that feels like there's a kind of wisdom there's a kind of like lived experience that informs and I, th I think this is true for all creators mm -hmm. but I, I i i feel like you look like you're you're doing it pretty naturally without a ton that. of like uh, without a ton of like i don't know what the heck i'm doing you know what i mean you carry I, yourself in a certain I, way i absolutely appreciate that because uh, i'll be totally honest with you sometimes those videos are really hard to make for me because it's like i i've 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 heard you know obviously just because of chatter on the internet and i was i was on the phone with one of my friends earlier today and um she said listen no cliche like you'll always hear like haters of like whatever right and they'll i i've heard people saying like what does he bring to the table he just like posts these videos like with coffee like what what is like why is he getting like any kind of attention transparently like sure attention's like cool and everything i never like went out of my way to one day said i want all of you to be focusing on what i'm doing i didn't I, I don't that's want not even possible. That, it's just not, given yeah. the internet, like you can't yeah. even focus on just yeah, one person. Exactly. Like I, I don't I don't want to be like the attention grabber. What I wanted to do was provide an outlet that magic players don't really use because of how competitively that I have played in the past can understand how much pressure that we put ourselves under to succeed. Because I know for a fact, and there can be people that are watching this once this gets uploaded, that sit there as grinders and 
notice that there are people in their lives that base their social status, their friendships, and their success based off of the record that they have at an event. And I think that is sad. And that is not what magic's about. Like, sure, magic is about, competitive magic is about winning. Absolutely. I think um, what I saw earlier today on the timeline, um, TK, that just won the Legacy event, uh, they had said, what is it that they had, they had said? Winning is secondary, having fun is primary. And I think that mm -hmm. is the, I think that that is amazing. I think that mm -hmm. that quote right there, I'm going to hold on to a lot. Winning is secondary, mm -hmm. having fun is a primary. Winning is a byproduct of having fun. And Absolutely. Honestly, just being mm -hmm. at peace with yourself and mm -hmm. having mm -hmm. a good time and feeling like you made good decisions. Because mm -hmm. generally speaking, like to win a tournament, you have to, I mean, this, we're just, this is just grinder to grinder, right? Like yeah. to win a tournament, things have to go really correctly. Like things have to go right. But you also have to make good decisions when Absolutely. it matters. And you can Absolutely. make good decisions and not win the tournament a lot of the time. And that's just par for the course. That's mm -hmm. just that's just life in a nutshell, right? You yeah. Can't, it's not deterministic. So you Absolutely. gotta enjoy yourself in the process. The process is the point, I guess. Yeah. yeah. But like I said, I was on the phone with them before and they're they were just like, you know, you're gonna you're gonna have haters. You you have you have eyes on you, you're doing something that's good and beneficial for the community. And I said, Yeah, that's great, but like why is me posting a video every day uh, trying to open up grounds of co positive communication with other people, trying to affirmate the fact that they can talk about things that they're dealing with? Why is that seen in a negative way? Or like, why does that lose respect of the other grinder? And they're like, well, think of it this way. People are there to grind magic and your content might not be for everyone. And I understand that. And I have no issues with that whatsoever. I know that my content is not for everyone. I, I know that I won't be friends with everyone, but I will at least try to put that better foot forward to make sure mm -hmm. like, hey, if you need to talk, you have a space to do it. Whether you're happy about it or not, you won't know until you try. Mm -hmm. So, And honestly, a lot of that is just on the platforms. Like uh, a grinder might be... I don't, I'm not saying I feel this way, but maybe if someone is following just magic content or like, as you said, like MTGO results or something like that, mm -hmm. they may not enjoy like having your video pop off in their timeline. Oh yeah, but That's absolutely. just because of Twitter. That's because of that platform. Like if they just follow the right people or they use lists or they, they only use the following tab, they're not going to see your stuff. And it's like, it's just not everything is for everybody. And that's totally legit. Absolutely. You know? There's, there's the beautiful saying, uh, the mute button exists. Mm -hmm. or the block button exists and i will yeah, never don't take be, it personally if you i get will muted never or be get offended blocked. Yeah. i've had so many conversations with like my irl non-magic related friends one of my friends in specific uh one of my best friends his name is andrew <clears throat> he would always say like i just hate seeing your magic stuff and i'm like okay you're gonna follow me it's fine <laughs> And he's like, well, I muted you already. I'm like, okay, that's fine. <laughs> like, it's okay. Okay, so he's literally the guy who's like, I will unfollow you. I'm going to yeah, unfollow like, you right now. I think, it's, I think it's wild to me that so many people, and I, I, I like got into a little bit of uh, non-communication with uh, another like person within the community earlier this year. Because I, I had posted a tweet saying, I don't believe that people should be so hooked onto follow non-follow relationships or parasocial relationships where your friendship offline is determined by if you're following one another online and i think it's like like they don't have to be one one to one 
yeah they don't they don't have to be one-to-one and like i have i have tried for a long time um to like really understand that and and it took me a while to like be okay with that and it was absolutely like a growing thing it was a maturity thing there there was an entire like scale to it in my opinion of me finally being like yeah it's okay if you don't follow me like i, I don't care like we're still friends like that's mm-hmm. that is what it is like i'm pretty sure that that half of the people in my life that i see on a day-to-day basis that don't have anything to do with magic that i consider friends don't even follow me on twitter and that's totally fine yeah. don't care if they're there or not um, because that it's not for them. And I understand yeah. that it's okay. It is okay to not have these parasocial relationships when you can formulate normal relationships out in the open. Oh yeah. I, um, I was friendly online with a, a creator this year, or I just, I would say in recent years, and I just decided to clean up my, my followers, um, this year. And I decided to unfollow them. Mm-hmm. And they actually sent me a DM like, I noticed you unfollowed me, and mm-hmm. you know, and I, I, I don't know how to explain it. It's just the nature of this thing that we're playing on the internet. This game, it's, it's a game it's against itself. them, but they they feel like it was some sort of personal thing, and it wasn't. Like honestly, I can tell you, it wasn't. It was just like I was just trying to clean up what kinds of information I get mm-hmm. in my in my timeline. That that was it. I I agree with that. I I absolutely do agree with that. I understand that it is not everyone, and by no means am I saying this as, like, a high route kind of thing. But, like, it's just... Everyone has their own code. Everyone has too, everyone so. has their own ebb and flow of what they want to see online. At the end of the day, like, if you if you want to curate, like, your timeline, and, and this, is, this is the silliest thing that anything that has been told to me recently. One of my friends said... Yeah, I know that so-and-so said that they don't like you because of how much you tweet. All right, let's solve that real quick. <laughs> you can just unfollow me. That's totally fine. Uh, it's just, it's it's a very silly thing to me. And uh, I've had conversations with multiple people in the past about it. Like, I, I just think that um, everyone tries really hard to come off a certain way online. And, you know, I'm, I'm guilty of it too. I'm definitely not a perfect person. Um, but I, I've definitely grown to the point of where... I now understand, like, it's okay. These are curated spaces for a reason. So that's my take on it. Mm-hmm. Well, I might as well use this opportunity to ask you, like, other than this insight, like, what are some things you've been learning as a first-time year one creator? Um, People take what you say very literally. <laughs> <laughs> people take what you say very literally. So I've okay. had to, I've had to kind of, like, not not like tone it back but like i can't be a complete like shit poster as i once was <laughs> so uh, learning to hold myself in a more like mature way on a day-to-day basis um and mm-hmm. biting my tongue a lot when i don't agree with somebody um so instead of coming at somebody in in a uh negative way of disagreement i, I try to like have a conversation about stuff uh, first um what else have i learned uh i've learned that Everyone can be friendly, and that conversation is wonderful. Um, I used to, I am great at talking to people, but I used to just like beeline conversations of be like, okay, I can talk to person A and then just be finished and talk to person B, and then I'm done for the day. Now I'm often trying to have more conversations with more people because everyone has a story, and those stories are beautiful to hear uh, because it's like, 
I don't know what somebody else is going through. I, I don't know what somebody else is dealing with. Or uh, I, <laughs> did you just jump out of a plane? That's awesome. Tell me about it. Like it, it's it's cool, and I want to be able to talk to people more, and I want to talk to the people that are in my life more or have like more conversations with people. So this job like that we're all doing has definitely taught me how to have better conversations with people. Definitely. Is um, it also challenging, like just holding more relationships in your life? Cause I, I find that often to be a kind of balancing act because you're already talking about being very close to your family and mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, though your loved ones, I'll, I'll just say your friend, your real life friends. And then you've got this community that is also people that you communicate with. And sometimes it's a megaphone, but sometimes it is one-on-one -on -one, as you said. Yeah. Um, it's definitely become more, that's a, that's a good term to use, uh, a, more of a balancing act, uh, these days. Um, I, I definitely, I actually just had a conversation today with my partner about, needing to prioritize things better like i need to prioritize things better of uh, of like being able to juggle conversations and give attention to where i am not being the best uh, respondent uh, to other people uh, because I, I forget if you look at my phone right now i have 178 unread text messages and 241 missed calls i suck at this thing <laughs> like i i just i need to get better and that is what i am attempting to do i'm attempting to prioritize having and finishing conversations with people so people aren't feeling like oh well that was just like a high and by like what's the point of like the conversation so being able to prioritize uh, is definitely a thing that i am uh, trying to understand and being able to balance everything so i can give equal attention um the one thing that i have feared in the past of trying to give equal attention to everything is that I will spread myself too thin and then I won't have any capacity for myself. Um, so that is definitely a uh, learning curve within itself. Would you say that's your main why for being a creator is the, is the better days initiative and the mental health advocacy, or is it something else as well? Um, the entire reason why I became a content creator for magic was because I felt that I personally had, uh, something to show the community. Uh, and that is, that is better days, um, better days. So let, let's get it. Let's get into that real quick. Let's, let's talk about better days. Better days started, uh, because of my friend Hobbs, Hobbs Q absolutely love Hobbs. I think Hobbs would be a great person to pull on here, <laughs> by the way. Um, Hobbs reached out to me one day uh, and said, Hey, would you ever consider doing your videos under like a hashtag? Actually, I'm sorry. Before I, before I get to that part, let's, let's go even a little bit further back. We were, I was in Magicon Minneapolis. I had gone out to dinner with Alan from mental misplace. Uh, and we were just, we were in this like grungy, like dive bar esque place. We were just eating some burgers it was like a very intimate, uh, setting. And he said, Hey, uh, are you like, are you good with feedback? I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Like, can, can I ask you about like those posts that you make? Cause I was not always making the, vi I was not always making the videos. The, the posts that I was making were in a picture format with text on top of it. It was me holding a cup of coffee, me writing down my focus hidden within 140 characters and telling people raise them high and raise help my tagline. 
He goes, have you ever thought about hitting a different audience and making them into videos? And I said, no, I never thought about that. That's like a very vulnerable thing. Like I had never thought about putting myself out there until I did. The week after MagicCon Minneapolis, um, I put out the first video of my, uh, my videos and it was received very, very well. So then I started doing another one and I did another one. And next thing you know, I was doing them every single day. A couple months later, then Hobbs reach out, reaches out to me and goes, Hey, have you ever thought about like, I love what you're doing. Have you ever thought about putting what you're doing under a hashtag? And I said, no, I've never thought about that. Like, what would be the point of that? Cause I wasn't like using hashtags for anything. He said that way, like if somebody clicks on it, they can just like see everything. And now if you click on better days, mm-hmm. MTG, like you just see videos and videos, which is a incredible thing. I'm like blown away by that. If, if you go on a TikTok, if you go on a TikTok and if, if and you look up the the hashtag Better Days MTG, I I think there's only over like sixty thousand like something whatever interactions with it. Right, because it comes Which, it becomes a movement. Other people are doing the same. Yeah, it's 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 crazy to me. Um, but the reason why I even started doing it is because this is what I can give to the community. I can give to the community vulnerability, and I'm putting myself out there with my shit and being like, hey even as a magic player, even like as you holding yourself in such a professional light or a competitive light that you're serious all the time, you're the grinder, you have to do well, you have to do playtesting, you have to get into a playtesting house, you have to queue for the pro tour, you have to win your RC so you can get to the regional championship, you have to make your your travel cruise. You can also talk about what's going on in your life. It's okay. Like, it's fine. Like, we are all human. And that is the biggest that is the biggest uh, focus that I have attempted to relay to the magic communities that it is okay to not be okay. And it is okay to relish in the things that you are dealing with outside of magic, because if magic is your life, let it be your life. Like let, let your life in at the same time. So like, if you are with an entire group of people, like say, say you and I go to a magic fest together, a magic con together. And we have like five other people in our house. Are these five other people in our house, people that we want to only talk to about magic or are these people that we talk to about magic that also at the next convention, you ask, how's your brother doing? How, how, how was that job that you're going after? If I want to share space with you, I want to be comfortable enough to have conversations with you. And I want you to be comfortable enough to have conversations with me too. Because if we are developing these lives and these relationships with one another, it should be okay to, to feel comfortable enough to talk about our shit. So that's, that's, that's why, that's why I'm doing this is because I want to propel forward a a positive space while at the same time playing high level competitive magic, because that's what I do. And that's what you can find on my streams. I want my space to be a space that people can feel comfortable enough to talk about their shit, Mm -hmm. whatever it is that it might be. So that's your why and that's your message. Yeah. Okay. So just over the course of um, being a fan of your content for the better part of this year and now having had now having this real conversation with you, I know that you're coming from a real authentic place. Like there's it's 100% Mm -hmm. authentic, 100% legit. Um, I do have to ask how hard was it to initially even like put these things out into the public just as like this is going beyond magic but just like you know the typical 
conventions of masculinity or even like being an Asian person, mm-hmm. it's very hard, I think, to be open with this stuff. I'm not even saying vulnerable, but just open with this stuff. I think even in North American society, I think there's still, it's still challenging. So was it hard for you to kind of make that leap? Like it's hard enough to tell the person, your friend next door, let alone people online, I would have to imagine. Um, yeah. Uh, when Alan asked me if I ever decided if if I had ever thought about making them into a video, like it was, it's a very vulnerable place that you're putting yourself into. Um, I had a conversation uh, with my partner about the videos, and she was very, very real with me. She said, "Do you think that people want to watch videos of somebody who is just always going to be positive all of the time, or are you going to, or or do you think that people are going to watch?" somebody and be be more interested in watching a video of somebody being real with them. And one of the one of the most incredible things that my partner has told me and very recently too is that she said I leave uh, not me but like speaking as her. She goes I leave every single conversation thinking did they think that I was kind because there's a difference of being nice and there's a difference mm-hmm. of being kind. You can be nice with your friends and some stranger coming up to you the stranger being like oh i'm gonna i'm gonna do this thing and these are all my partner's words by the way so shout outs to her because her brain is incredible and this person comes up to you and says i'm gonna accomplish this task and it's it's almost impossible but i can do it a nice person can go oh yeah you you got this and then when they walk away with your friends you're gonna be like i don't know how the fuck they're gonna do that but whatever Right. The kind person will say, that's awesome. How are you going to do that? And how, how can we get that mm-hmm. to happen? Mm-hmm. So there's an, there's a significant difference between the two. So again, shout out May. May oh, is totally. absolutely incredible. Like I, I'm, I'm holding on to that very, very much. So um, very newly as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it was really hard to put myself into a position like that because especially growing up the way that I did, um, you know, we, we come, I, I came from a generation of the whole, like, boys don't cry generation or just like, shake it off, like grow up, like, yeah, strong, silent type kind of strong, silent type, like hold everything on the inside. And that's why I'm very thankful to my mom because she broke the stigma with me and said, Hey, like, it's, it's okay to like, talk about your stuff. Like it's, it's all right. So I wanted to be able to translate that to now like yeah sure like when i posted that first video i was terrified because i'm i'm putting myself out there for thousands of people to Mm -hmm. to see to judge to be like whoa he's he's like talking about all this like serious stuff this uncomfortable stuff like i i wouldn't do that but here i am doing the thing uh because Mm -hmm. i think that it's important enough to talk about these things to to talk about things that make people uncomfortable within their psyche and their mental. It's like, it's huge. And by no way, shape or form, am I a professional in any means? I am not. I I will never say that I am a professional in mental health. I don't have training. I don't have any kind of education backing behind it. I am just somebody that wants other people to be able to talk about their stuff. Sure. By, by speaking your truth, Mm -hmm. first and foremost. Yeah. 
and and also along the lines of that, I know you've also been quite open with your sobriety. And yes. uh, can you talk a bit about that? Because it sounds yeah. like, I mean, I'm I'm just overall just interested in like, what was it like before when you were drinking, I presume heavily, and what kind of made you um, one day decide like I was done with it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm gonna, I'm going to look for something real quick, so I'm I'm sure that you can like edit this together. My sobriety, my sobriety is a very public thing. Uh, and I wanted to make it public because I think that that is so important. Um, from the punk hardcore community, there is a term called straight edge and I am straight edge. Uh, no drugs, no alcohol. That is my decision. Uh, some of the best friends that I have made in this life are straight edge as well. Um, and it was my decision to make that commitment. Um, and I don't disrespect anyone for any of the decisions that they make by all means drink. Do whatever it is that you do in your spare time. I will never force my beliefs onto anyone else. And I want to be very clear about that. Uh, as of today, I am 1,082 days completely sober. Uh, I am 2 years, 11 months, 18 days sober from alcohol. Uh, I am 1 year, 11 months, 18 days sober from nicotine. Uh, so I had many different vices. Um, and to show you basically how I was, I'm going to play... A little clip if that's okay with your channel unless you, it can't be no no problem no problem please okay do. uh only because there's alcohol involved in it so i don't know if there's like a demonetization oh no i don't i don't think i'm gonna get any strikes for this so. okay okay uh all right so i'll just play this and this is just who i was this was march yep. 23rd 2020 so for those who are uh who are listening to the audio only version like it's a video of ryan uh chugging a, a jim beam i think yep just just, just the whole the bottle whole, just the whole bottle yeah like cheers nothing ever bottle. happened so yeah. that i was just uh i was very reckless and i i i could put it back and i used that as my biggest crutch to just kind of like numb the feelings of everything else going on in my life and um it got to a point in my life where I remember one year I got so drunk. Uh, this was one of the times that I was living uh, with my mom. I got so drunk that my friend dropped me off um, at her house. And it was probably like 2, 3 in the morning. And I was just being very loud. I was I was being very... I, I, was, I was bad. Mm. And I start peeing in the front yard towards the house. I think the worst interaction of everything that I've ever done was this. And I was peeing towards the house and my mom comes out and she goes, what the fuck are you doing? Like, what are you doing? And I just started yelling at her and my mom and I didn't speak for almost like two, two and a half months. Um, even like with me living there, she was just like, she was disgusted with my actions. And that was the first time that I quit drinking. Uh, and then I started drinking again when I moved away from there. Um, the time that kind of just like sealed it for me of, I never want to drink again, uh, was 2021 going into 2022 is new year's. Uh, uh, yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, going into, wait, is that time right? Hold on. Uh, two years. Yeah. 21 to 22. Um, 
it was New Year's Eve. I was in Discord with about like seven or eight of my other friends, uh, and I was alone by myself on New Year's Eve, and they had watched me on Discord drink a 12-pack of White Claw, a bottle of Jack Daniels, a fifth oh, of tequila, man. and then like yeah. six beers, like by myself, and yeah. be com- have full conversations. That's what was scary, is that I, I was like coherent, and mm-hmm. I I visibly was like, I wasn't like wavering, I wasn't doing anything. Mm-hmm. It was just scary. It was the normal for you at that time. And what was so scary to everyone else, because I scared everyone else, is that I fell asleep um, on my back in Discord. And I it just like, if something happened, like, right. I was fucked, right? Right, right. Uh, so yeah. I woke up the next day, and what was kind of like a shock to me is that I was not hungover. I was fully functional. And I sat there and I looked around my room and I saw the empty bottles and I saw the empty boxes and I said, you have a fucking problem. And then I stopped. And that was the last time that I ever picked up alcohol. And thankfully, I I have stayed very true to that. Uh, I went to a bunch of AA meetings. I have my, uh, where are they? Hold up. I have my one month two months oh i three didn't know months, you, you get the coins as the yep, milestones six yeah. months nine months and then i have my one year um so yeah i uh i took this very seriously and i said this is not some this is i i forgot who i was talking to when i said it but i told them that this was the hardest game of magic that i've ever played in my entire life and i'm currently winning Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to lose this game. You've had to play perfectly for. Yep. I've this had to play perfectly. I, I've beaten the odds. I'm not going to lose this game at all. And I made that promise to myself. And not only did I make that promise to myself, but May also says if you ever fuck up, you, like you're out. Like I, I don't want to. I don't ever want you that's to a, like go that's down. That's a that big path. driver, right? Is when yeah. you. I, I hear when you. Um, I think it's not. It's for a lot of things. I, it's just commitment for to things in general, whether it's quitting something or mm-hmm. staying mm-hmm. on something good accountability, right? If you're, if you make yourself accountable to people, like you actually literally say like, I'm going to do this to somebody. I hear that mm-hmm. the chances of that, your success are going to be much higher because you're yeah. accountable to others. Mm-hmm. And that is something that I am trying my hardest to continue to do is do the things that I, I said that I'm going to do. And as I said that I'm, I'm, I'm currently working through some things in my life that I, said that I wouldn't do that. And I did. So it's life is a learning curve. Life is definitely a learning process. And it's something that I'm, I'm doing my best to keep my account, myself accountable for. And I have responsibility to myself and my loved yeah. ones. And that is not sobriety is definitely not something that I will ever falter on again. And please don't take this the wrong way, Ryan. I, I would mm-hmm. be terrified if like you or somebody else, like, relapse as a result of anything we're talking about today of course of course um is there still a kind of demon within you that oh yeah absolutely um i i i say this all of the time i am an alcoholic i will never not be an alcoholic i was able to put that side of me away but that is addiction is a disease addiction is something that you have to work through your entire life um, I will always be an alcoholic and it will always be my responsibility to myself and to everyone around me that I stay on the path that I'm currently on. Like I said, I'll never 
force my views or my sobriety down anyone else's throat but myself uh, because of how important it is. Uh, because I know the kind of person that I can be while I am on some kind of substance and that person is not a good person and I don't ever want to be that person again. Mm-hmm. And it's just speaking from personal experience. It's so, mm-hmm. it's so tough. I, I wouldn't say I had that exact same issue with alcohol, but there have been times where I felt stressed and I would just relapse to do something that I mm-hmm. am not proud of or that I've, uh, I've wanted to stop doing cold turkey, but sometimes like just there's, I don't even know what's the right term for it. Like there's these triggers or these events in my mm-hmm. life that become stressful. And maybe I'll just like to use a very mild example, even though I'm, I've experienced something worse. It's like, maybe I'll just overeat because I, I, I felt stressed or frustrated, you know, so that, that's, that's constantly a challenge, right? Absolutely. It, it is, it is a constant challenge. There are things in my life, like get into a fight with my mom, get into a fight with my dad, argue with my partner argue with my brother I do poorly at an event and I just want to be like maybe you know one drink's fine it'll be fine and then that in that second I'll immediately snap and be like no it's not fine you idiot that'll never be fine that is that is not who you are anymore that is not something that you want to rely on to feel better you can get through this yourself um so yeah that the thoughts never go away they never go away. I can put myself into social settings of where there are people drinking now and I, I it'll have no effect on me and like I won't want to partake. I'm no longer somebody who would ever want to socially drink. I'm not somebody who wants to get fucked up on the weekends or So okay, here's here's a here's a little magic story. It was Grand Prix Grand Prix Worcester. Uh 2013 or 2014 one of one of the years there was an uno's pizzeria right on the corner of where the gp exit was i remember myself and uh two other magic players i won't say their names uh but we would go in between rounds to take shots and we would at the end of every round go take a shot and come back because regardless of our record it was more fun to do while we were drunk mm-hmm I don't know why I thought that was ever a good idea, but I made those decisions and I didn't suffer any consequences back in the day um, because I was just a youth and I thought that it was a lot of fun to do. And now I look back in that and on how stupid I was to even just like, you know what I mean? Just like to even involve mm-hmm the rest of my day of something that I find so important to jeopardize, uh, by being drunk. And I, mm-hmm. I just think, I, I think, I think back to who I once was and it's, it's very, I'm very proud of who I am now because I was such a, just like a shittier kid and just like a, a dude trying to figure out like who he was in life and uh, this addict. Uh, and if you are an addict, you all like, we will, I am, I will always be an addict. And that is, that's something that I am fully responsible for of taking myself out of situations or making sure that I don't get to the point of that again. So. Mm -hmm. I think, I think it's just human nature, man. Like we're always trading off like the current self versus the future Mm -hmm. self. Right. Mm -hmm. Like even something super 
tame like i'll i'll just justify like i i, I want to have fried chicken this evening yeah. because i i've earned it or it's been yeah. a long week yeah. you're just trading off like present happiness or present a present buzz whether yeah. it's like food or mm -hmm. alcohol or anything or drugs like you just trade for, off one it's it's yeah, always in the future it's always going to come back another. to bite yep. you but mm -hmm. it's like i think it's that conversation you always have to have with your future self and it's just not easy like mm -hmm. i i'm still guilty of it like i just like just sacrifice the the short term that's just it's just part of being human right absolutely yeah and you know it it all comes around right the day that i stopped drinking is the day that i went to play magic five nights a week and i replaced it and i was i was traveling sometimes this was back when i was living in new jersey and in the stores in my area i was always at minimum an hour away from a store so i would always be at minimum sacrificing two hours a day uh to go travel to play magic so i would go from work to magic home work magic home work magic home doesn't m matter where in new jersey where i was but i was driving one to two hours to make sure that i wasn't doing something else right so magic helped magic magic saved my life and hey, that, that strategies work for me too. It's like, I always like to say to myself, like, I just replace one vice with another. So it's like, maybe I stop doing things that I'm not proud of. Instead, I just replace it with like grinding content or replace it with like long distance running. I'm just finding ways to fill my time. Like, cause for That's me, it's so actually cool, really man. hard to, it's <laughs> actually really hard to like, just say, I'm going to quit something cold tricky. I just have to try to like almost overwhelm myself with some other thing so that right, i'm not right, right. going back to it you know what i mean right that's so yeah. cool too i hate cardio i hate cardio <laughs> i got you, like, I you gotta... like going to the gym right you like lift, lifting heavy things yeah, I, I, yeah. man i hate cardio <laughs> i i have to say I'm, I'm i'm really weird in that sense because i know the majority of the world hates running and i used to be that person but i think just somewhere along the way i just and I used to go to the gym too. And I used to, I still do like, you know, weight training a little bit. I do like body weight stuff, but it's like, now mm -hmm. I'm just, I'm just fucking weird, man. It's like, if I have to choose, <laughs> I'd rather just run above anything else. And right. people are always making fun of me. Like, what are you running away from? Like, why are you running? <laughs> like, why are you logging all these You're running miles? from like, everybody else's bullshit. <laughs> yeah. And I, I'm just, I'm just fucking weird, man. Like I love like solitary activities. Like, mm. even when I used to do other things, like play play basketball or, like, go to magic tournaments, I like just doing the thing. I don't love socializing all that much, if I'm being honest. So yeah. it's like, I like running because it's it's solitary, man. Yeah, just, absolutely. Yeah. To each their own, right? Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. I also have this really, like, this is a short story, but it's, like, kind of intersecting a bit with GP Jersey. Like, so I went to GP, that GP Jersey. It was the first time I've been to Jersey. So I, I, I literally just went there for the GP, right? right? I think I was living in, I was already living in China. So I actually made a U.S. trip to like play, <laughs> to in play New this Jersey. GP <laughs> in New Jersey and actually yeah. driving, you know, my rental car in Jersey. And I remember like freezing that morning of the tournament because it was that big building and, and feeling kind of de dejected almost because I, I was like the, the tournament grinder that was only there to play magic and not actually enjoying mm -hmm. like, you know, sights and things like that. I, I'm not sure how many amazing landmarks are in jersey or, or new york hey, i'm man. sure there's more than what i saw you know here that for example let, let's 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 placate uh past you for a second past you that that gp hall that parking lot was in the sopranos 
so don't worry. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. I did watch The Sopranos. I did not yep. notice that. That okay. that area is where The Sopranos was taped. Oh, okay. That's very cool. Okay, so I was a part of history in that sense. There Obviously, <laughs> history in terms of being um, the biggest legacy GP at the time. And the weird intersection that I wanted to share with you is that that was actually a GP where I hit rock bottom as a Magic player because I was so invested. Uh, I think similar to what you said, I was so invested with the grinder mindset, like I was validating myself as who I was in terms of magic results. And so I thought I did a ton of practice for the event. I ended up like not just playing the best deck, which was like Treasure Cruise Delver at the time. Oh, yeah, yeah. Just audible to like playing Death and Taxes. Uh, long story short, I had a terrible tournament. I think I went like 03 drop or something crazy. And I was just like so sick and tired of who I was as a magic player. And I think that was actually a turning point um where i ended up doing a whole bunch of like writing about like why i'm quitting magic and um anyways long story short i ended up doing that i actually got over it because the process of writing and sharing my thoughts about my validation as a magic player helped me get through that period and that's actually soon after that i started like humans of magic because i was like okay i'm done writing about myself i actually want to highlight other people and so i would say that gp jersey even though we didn't know we intersected like in the universe at that time, like there was a kind of like mental health element to my evolution as a not magic player, but as a person. And that's how I started humans and magic was like that, that GP. So I thought oh, it was yeah. kind of an interesting, like weird cosmos kind of thing to, to share. Absolutely. With well, I'm, I'm happy that you found, I'm happy that you found you. It's awesome. Yeah. And I, and I, I think it goes back to something you said as well. Like, I will always be like, even though I'm not that person, like, just like you said, I'm an alcoholic, right? I am always going to be that try hard magic player mm -hmm. uh, because that's who that's factually what I was in the past. And even though I'm not there today, I always have that potential to use a heavy word, like to relapse to being that person again, that yeah. James again, who is a try hard magic player who who's who is only defined by his record in the magic yeah, tournament absolutely like, you are what your record is um so i think it's a constant i wouldn't say like i wake up every morning and, like i have to fight this but like there's always the potential to go back or regress and mm -hmm. so you have to always kind of work on yourself to always remind yourself like I, I i i'm definitely not the kind of person who likes to just suppress things like i will just be very open with myself like i fucked up like 10 years ago I did this. I really like ruined this relationship. I really shouldn't have done that. Mm -hmm. And that's who I am. I, I, you have to, you have to own it. Right. That's just, yeah, that's absolutely. just, that's just, that's just how I live. You know? Absolutely. I agree. Yeah. And I, I, I think of sometimes about all the, um, it's not related to addiction or, or, or alcohol or drugs, but it's like, I, I even think about like all the burned bridges I had, you know, like I had really good friends in the past. I don't talk to anymore. Um, you know, I have some family relationships I could do better on, mm -hmm. but I think now it's just kind of like, you, I just own it, you know, like I, I'm not ever going to be like, I wish I could do that differently. Like that's just the reality now. And you just have to live with your actions. That's it. Absolutely. I, I agree with that. There, there are so many times that I think of, man, I used to talk to this person a lot. And then I think of when that time period was in my life and I go, Oh, I was the drunk asshole. So. There's just stuff that you have to live with, you know what I mean? And a lot of it comes down to 
being able to move on and move forward in the right direction, especially mm-hmm. if you have already made amends with people or or if someone has wronged you and they've made amends as well. And that's that's the entire game that we play is just continuing to move forward. Mm-hmm. I thought I would just um, close by asking about uh, someone who's very special in your life, uh, mm-hmm. your partner, right? Yeah. So <laughs> how did you meet your partner? And uh, she seems like an incredible person. Like, what's the story there? What's the origin story? Uh, so May <laughs> on a dating website, as it all, no, as it always happens. It wasn't, it wasn't on a dating website. Uh, May is best friends with one of my best friends. Um, and she had added me on Facebook. Um, and within like three minutes, I accepted the friend request Three minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Within like three minutes of it happening, she says, "I added him on Facebook, and I scrolled, and as soon as I finished scrolling with my thumb, it said Ryan Nicholas has accepted your friend request." So I saw her profile picture. Okay, so it was more like three seconds. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so I saw her profile picture, and <clears throat> I saw one of my best friends in her profile picture with her. So I texted. Uh, my friend Bunny, uh, Bunny is their name. I texted Bunny and I said, "Bunny, who is this?" And Bunny was just like, "That's Nick. That that that's May. You you should you should uh you should talk to her." And I did, and we haven't stopped talking since. And now so there I was an inst- there was a kind of instant attraction yeah. or instant. And now uh, now connection. I live with her. <laughs> so that's how that's a that's okay. It was it. She she's great, man. She she yeah. is a she is my rock. She. I've learned so much from her, um, mm-hmm. and I uh, I owe her a lot. I, mm-hmm. I owe her so much kindness, and I owe her patience, and I owe her respect. And she is somebody that I have learned for learned from a great deal um, mm-hmm. in in the time that we've spent together. And she's she's just that girl's my best friend. She she's awesome. Mm-hmm. What what kind of uh, you- it sounds like you share similar values or is that mm-hmm. how it works or she has taught me a lot of how to communicate better and it's still something that I'm working on on a day-to-day basis and the more I work on it the more I'll be able to implement it within every aspect of my life mm-hmm. and she has taught me how to prioritize better and she's also taught me uh, a level of preparedness that I did not know that I had <laughs> like for example, on the notes app on on your phone, I implement lists every single day now. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like I'll wake up, I'll make a list what I have to do throughout the day because before yeah. meeting her, did not do That's that. A solid I'll tell system. You. Did yeah. I did not do that? I'll tell you that mm-hmm. much. <laughs> yeah. What are so, the big rocks, or what are the big things you wanna you need to get done this week or this day, right? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Like I, I had a whole list of stuff to to do today and. This is on that list, and uh, <laughs> you know you. I uh, I'll be able to check it off once I'm done. So yeah, uh, shout out her. She she's ah, man, I I love her. She's great. <laughs> Tell me the story of how you taught May about how to play Lorcana. Uh, Got it. Okay, yeah, so tell here, me about that. Let me let's. All right. So she loves Disney, right? And I do too. Disney Disney's great. Um this the stories behind it, uh the characters, all of that. 
she no uh, i told her that there was a disney card game coming out and she got super excited for it so i said okay you know what i'll get us Lorcana stuff and i'll teach you how to play and we'll learn and we'll we'll have this game together it'll be for us so here's one of the negative sides of me this is this this happened and this this was a turning point for me as well i let my competitive grinder nature hold on to me too much with the game to a point of where the game was not fun for her anymore um and we had stopped playing um and she didn't want to play it anymore and i said you know what and like we we had gotten into arguments about it and they were because of me and this is something that like you know i don't i don't take pride in but this is this is why i'm here this is humans of magic right this is this is i am a human so we we got into a couple arguments about it uh because i let my competitive nature of you know it needs to be me i need to be winning um uh i need to shut that off so i i figured out how to shut it off and instead of like instead of like shuffling around my cards all the time because it caused her anxiety while we were playing like i would put my hands under the table while uh it was not my turn so i could like give her the comfort of knowing uh what to do for her turn mm-hmm. uh she requested that i don't talk to her during her turns because it she ha- she mm-hmm. has to like think about what she's doing and she doesn't want to get sure. distracted so i'm like okay yeah. i understand that and i respect that so the biggest thing for me was i got hyper competitive with orkana way too fast and it then became not fun for my partner so I got invited to play in the very first Invitational uh, at Apex, and I told her, I said, hey, come to Apex with me. We're going to go to Ohio together. We're going to turn it into an entire trip, and then once I'm done with that tournament, I am done playing Lorcana competitively. It will purely be a game for you and I to collect, um, and that that was the promise that I made, and that's the promise I kept, so I stopped playing Lorcana competitively because I wanted something just for us we haven't we actually haven't played Lorcana in a while we've been doing so much like at the house and like remodeling and just like a lot of busy stuff that we haven't really had the opportunity to like sit down and like play uh but i said i would stop playing Lorcana competitively so i we could truly just have something between her and i and that's what i did i stopped just enjoy the cards collecting the cards like seeing correct um, Mm -hmm. all that stuff Mm -hmm. so i stopped playing Lorcana competitively but taught her how to play, uh, and we were playing together. And now, uh, you know, th- th- those are one of the things that I-, I wanted to do to kind of show, like, hey, like, I can grow. Um, and I still have a lot of growing to do, obviously, because no one is perfect and no relationship is perfect. But, you know, the, I hear uh, that life is a life is a process. Life is a process. Life is messy. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a beautiful story because it goes back to what you're saying about um, or for me, it does. It goes back to what you're saying about like uh, nice versus kind, right? Mm-hmm. Like, there's people who are nice that have platitudes about like you should be inclusive, you should like have safe spaces. And and I'm not saying that I'm not I'm not so cynical as to think that they don't act that way. But I'm saying that you could say you could say whatever you want on the internet, but it's your actions that actually matter. So I think that's a beautiful story of like you're actually living this behavior of like being inclusive and trying to like i am absolutely not, not not fidget with your cards and like try to respect another player it doesn't matter whether it's me it's just another player that 
you're trying to make it comfortable for them because ultimately that's what it should be about. And what's comfortable for them and what's fun for them is not the same as it is for you. So you're trying to put yourself in their shoes. And that's a beautiful example of like what it actually means to be inclusive and not just saying on the internet, like we should, Hey, you know, we should, we should, um, you know, we should be inclusive, right? There's, mm -hmm. there's something to be said for actually living. it. I am absolutely, um, I am trying my best. Uh, that is, I, I, I'll obviously say like, like I said, I'm not a perfect person. I, I've never claimed to be. I, I do have my tendency of not being a kind person. Uh, I try to be as kind as I can whenever I can be. Uh, but I am a person who is learning and I'm a person who's growing. And I can absolutely guarantee that I am at least trying my best. Okay. My final question for you. <laughs> this is sure. not related to Mayor or Lurkana. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's going to be kind of a, 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 a trollish kind of last question. Uh-oh, uh-oh. Um, be prepared. Okay. Um, how hard was it to decide to tattoo the seven on your face, knowing <laughs> that you were never going to get another normal job ever again? Uh, well, you don't know that because there's there are a lot of hybrid positions now, so I could I could do just fine. Um, and hey, there's the, there's like derma blend. There are patches you can put on. Like it's fine, it's fine. Uh, there's makeup. I, I don't I don't I don't Concealer. mind. Like yeah. did did you know that I also have my head tattooed? I, I know that. I saw okay, it. Okay, yeah. I, I have, uh, I'm just saying it's much yeah. easier to get away with that because yeah, there's always absolutely. ways, you know? Like, um, you can have a giant dragon on your back, but you never yeah, show that to your yeah, employer, right? Very yeah. true. Um, but, yeah, I, uh, I, it, it was a very in-the-moment decision. May was getting tattooed, and Bunny is our tattoo artist. And I looked down at Bunny, and I was just like, Bunny, I want a face tattoo. And Bunny was just like, do you want to do it now? And I said, yeah. <laughs> and she's like, what do you want? I said, a seven. And she was like, why? I'm like, because of magic. <laughs> and that was it. That was it. That was, that was the most simple decision I've ever made. Ever. Okay. Have you, <laughs> have you thought about getting, do you already have a Karn on your body in some way? I don't. Or? I don't. Okay. My seven, plan. my seven is my my seven is my Tron tattoo. That's, that's a really nice understated choice because I feel like, I, I feel like that's, that's the way to go, right? I don't have yeah. any tattoos, but I feel like if I were to get one, it'd be like there's some sort of like understated way. You don't want to just put like a logo or like someone's face. Like it's nice to have something that has a kind of like if you're in the know, you're in the know, right? Kind of thing. Oh, don't get me wrong. I have May tattooed on me. <laughs> really? Okay. I do. So, I do. Okay. I do. I do. Pretty I real have, then. Okay. I have, okay. I have, a, uh, I have a uh, tattoo of may on my on my calf as a uh okay dressed in her uh her halloween uh clown well, now i have face. to know does she have you tattooed on her no because she's not crazy i'm crazy <laughs> i love it i love it all right yeah. this is probably the best place to uh wrap it up we can't really top that that's in fine. terms of a question and in deal, terms of an deal. answer Ryan, thank you so much, man. It's just been an absolute pleasure. James, talking thank to you. Thank you for having me. And like I said, uh, I love uh, what you're doing. Um, and thank you for giving me the time and space to tell my story. Thank you for listening to Humans of Magic. You've made it to the end. Thanks so much. You're awesome. If you'd like to support the show, there are two ways to do so. The first way is the most powerful. Tell a friend. Tell them to check out Humans of Magic. I'd love it if you could spread the word. The second way is to join the Humans of Magic Patreon at patreon.com slash humansofmagic. 
Patreon is the best way to directly support the show from a financial perspective. For as little as $2 a month, you can support me and join the Discord. It gives me the power to keep cranking out new episodes with your favorite magic people. If you want to go the $5 support route, you'll get a digital copy of the Humans of Magic book. Thank you for listening. I appreciate you, as always, making it all the way to the end, and we'll see you next time.